Welcome to Central Line, the AHA podcast. This is the official podcast of the American Animal Hospital Association, dedicated to simplifying the journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine for every member of the veterinary team. Here's your host, Dr. Katie Berlin. Hi, welcome to Central Line. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Berlin, and I'm joined today by a really fun guest. I'm so excited to be here with her. This is Dr. Caitlin DeWild of The Social DVM. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm very honored to be here. You wear a lot of hats, <laughs> and to, all of which are very cool hats, but would you mind just sort of giving us a rundown of the hats you wear and you know how it is sure. that you got to be wearing your current hats? Sure. Oh gosh, that is that's tricky. Um, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. So, um, my name is Caitlin Wild. I am a 2009 graduate of the University of Illinois, and I am a practicing veterinarian in the St. Louis area. But most of the time now, I spend uh, working on my company, which is called the Social DVM. So we focus predominantly on teaching vets and vet techs to be geeks like us. Um, in, in short, the best. yeah, in short, we're trying to translate the, the tech speak to vet speak, I, I think is kind of my informal tagline at the moment. So basically trying to help them either whether that's us managing some of their digital marketing aspects. So social media, email, app notification, that kind of concepts or teaching them, which is my more favorite part of the the job is to get somebody on the ground to uh, be able to manage it on their own. So we work with a lot of veterinary clinics and the veterinary industry groups on that kind of kind of stuff. Uh, I've gotten the pleasure of working with all kinds of people across the world and across the U.S. in particular, um, including AHA and you, uh, helping with some of the guidelines projects. So we really love figuring Hurrah out for how, that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so fun because, you know, Social media is great. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, I have a company called Social DVM. But, you know, at the end of the day, I still want to make sure that what we're doing and the and the kind of technology assistance that we can bring is still ultimately helping veterinarians or help, helping animals at the kind of the end product. So um, it, that's in particular been a very fun project for us to work on. So that's that's kind of the nuts and bolts, I guess. That was a good nutshell version of what you do, because I know it, it. that's a lot to fit into that one small description. So, but, you know, I, I know you, like me, I, I love social media, um, but, you know, not all aspects of social media, but I am like oh, a yeah. steadfast social media supporter, even in the face of all of the reasons not you know, why people don't love it. So, um, yeah. you know, here's to that. It's a careful, careful media, balance. <laughs> exactly. It's not going anywhere. So we might as well figure out how we're going to have a relationship yeah. with it. And yeah. that's a lot of that is what we're going to be talking about today because social media is a mixed bag these days. So, For sure. uh, but before we go on, I wanted to ask you, you know, you, you do get to see a lot of different people and, um, you know, see a lot of different perspectives in your job. What is the thing that you are currently enjoying the most about it? Oh man, that's a, that's a tough question. I think, the the thing I'm enjoying the most is seeing how people are starting to want to evolve and improve their what they're doing. I think everyone in the past year 
has come not only come out of the year, the first year of COVID of being like, oh my God, what the hell do we do? Right. Yeah. Uh, and then now it's the, okay, this is not, this is different, right? How do we do a better job? Cause we can't do it the way that it's going to be right. They know that what's always worked or what's worked for a long time before COVID they know it's not going to work moving forward. And they know also that they can't do it all. So I think the evolution of what can we do that still is helpful is been really awesome to see because it's happening in industry. It's happening with big clinics and little clinics. It's happening with corporate and independents. It's large and small animal clinics. Like it's awesome that people are like, hey, this isn't working. <laughs> Or for for whatever reason, it might not be working on their end, like they don't have the time or resources um, mm-hmm. or desire to do some of these things, but they know they need done. But they also want to balance that with what at the end of the day is the best for our clients and pets or patients. So I really like seeing that out of the box thinking, I feel like is really hitting our industry hard right now. For sure. And this is an industry that historically, I think we've sort of told ourselves that we're resistant to change and that, you know, we're resistant to embracing new technology and stuff like that. And we've proven that we can change plenty when we need to. And I think that's made us a little braver about doing new stuff. So it's, it's very exciting. I totally agree. So um, one thing that I definitely wanted to talk with you about is those bad review blues. Yeah. Because <laughs> Yeah. And and bad reviews on social media, you know, they kill our relationship with social media as businesses and as professionals. And I really think that's sad because there's so much good to be gained from social media. So um so bad reviews I think are worth some focus. So yeah. um I wanted to Your dog agrees. Oh my gosh. I'm just going to break, take a break for a second. He's got to come up on my lap or he's going to keep doing this. <laughs> this is, this is figure out how to wear these. Editor, isn't it? Oh, he's so cute <laughs> okay. though. All right. So um, now he's going to be on my lap and he's going to be snoring even though he's wide awake. I'm going to introduce him just because um, he is going to be making noise. So, so with the help of my little sidekick up here, uh, my dog Franklin just wanted to get in my lap and he makes a noise when he's wide awake that sounds like a gnome snoring. So don't, <laughs> you're going to hear that in the background, everyone who's listening, and I don't want you to be alarmed. It's not my stomach or a gnome. It's, Look how cute he it's is. It's a chihuahua. <laughs> I mean, so, this is a veterinary podcast. I feel like there should be a guest and an animal on every episode. I tend to agree, and I'm sh- I, you know I'm waiting for one of your animals to make it appearance yeah, too. But m- my cat will be here any minute. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you know, so bad reviews. We've all had them. Yep. And I was just wondering if you had a particular bad review story that you could share, either from your own experience or from a client's experience, just because we we all sure. like to hear that we're not alone. Oh yeah, I've had so many bad reviews. <laughs> um, you know, truthfully. <laughs> I've seen some really, really terrible ones uh, on behalf of the work that we've done with other clients, right? When we have to get involved and I've seen the full gamut from, you know, just one singular bad review to I've seen a clinic 
get 60 bad reviews in an hour. I've seen people's lives been threatened in review. I've seen people's addresses be published in a review as a retaliatory trying to drive, you know, terrible actions. Um, So I, I don't say that to scare people. I say that from the perspective of if you're thinking it's not really that big of a deal, I just want people to understand that it it can be, right? But those instances are so minimal. When you look at the overall perspective, right? When you look at the, the totality of veterinary reviews, myself, I have gotten a bad review too. And I tell every vet student that I talk to, expect two bad reviews, at least in your lifetime. And they're going to both be extremely frustrating because the first kind is going to be from someone that's never set foot in your practice. And and you have no idea why they're even leaving you this review. And they're like either confused on what practice they're leaving the review for, or they're in the Netherlands and they're a crazy person, or they're just totally (laughs) random, right? So everybody's going to get like a completely unwarranted one. Everyone is also at some point in their life going to get a review that is a bad review and it's true. And those sting, right? Um, That Because we're all going to make mistakes. Um, But we're also going to get bad reviews that are just not that big of a deal. So I think the one that I'll give, I'll give you two that I had recently. So one's been a little bit longer ago and I got a bad review because I recommended neutering this dog because it was, it presented for... Uh, increased urination, increased uh, aggression, (laughs) and increased inappropriate behavior. I don't know what kind of words I can say on this podcast, so I think you can get the idea. (laughs) Um, This dog needed to be neutered. He was not a purebred dog. He was not a breeding animal. They had no intentions of breeding him. This dog needed to be neutered. And they were completely against this. So they left me a terrible review. And I was like, well... This is a bad review, but honestly, it holds no weight in the eyes of clients that I want, right? If you're if you're given a totally valid medical option and you don't want to take it, then and you also can't spell neutering correctly, you are not my people, and I'm okay with that, right? So yeah. that's a, a fairly recent one. Another one I got actually just a couple weeks ago, and it totally bummed me out. And I like deal with online reviews every day, but I. I had this client, it was a new client, the dog was not nice, uh, was difficult to deal with, but I spent so much time with this owner, and I went through everything. I did everything I could possibly do. I, I you know, gave them exactly what I thought that they were looking for. Um, I made personal connections to this person. Um, they, you know, I, I complimented them on on something that they were working on in their line of work uh, that I knew about from just being in the same area. And I thought it went really, really awesome. And, you know, you come out of those rooms sometimes and you're like, I did a really good job today. Not only did I help that animal, I like, I was on, right? I gave them extra, extra awesome service. I gave them more information than I, I typically would have had time for. I spent more time with them. And then I, later that day, I got a three star review with no words. And I was like, oh. what does that mean? <laughs> you know? That's and almost I, more frustrating because you're like, what right? could I have done better? What in the world? There's no way. So, you know, I, I think that I bring that up because sometimes you are you do it all right, or at least when you think you do it to the best of your ability and it's still not good enough. It's just your yeah. best is not good enough for everybody. 
And for whatever reason, maybe that guy was like, hey, I had 20 minutes. <laughs> I needed to get in and out. I don't know. Like, yeah. you didn't say that. Just but, tell me what to do. <laughs> right? And I'm like, you're, I'm trying to not get eaten by your dog, so it's going to take a while. We're going to do fear free here and, you know, like a whole gallon of peanut butter to <laughs> keep him occupied yeah. so I can vaccinate your dog without anyone getting injured. Um, <laughs> and he, you know, I thought I did a great job, but it, it turns out I didn't. So those are just super stressful. And I want people to know that that happens a lot. Okay. It does, but you got to figure out ways to get over that. I know we're going to probably delve into to that, but those are my two recent, like, come on reviews. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel that so hard. Like, you know, we've all had the ones where you're just like, okay, how about all the ones that really did go great and the clients are so happy and they just go home. You know, people don't, really think about it because you did your job and they had their appointment and everything went fine and they're not leaving a review because that's how they thought it was supposed to go and then you know you pour your it's always the ones you seem to pour your heart and soul into and then they just get you know the blindsides you in the end so well and um, and i think as vets we we hold on to that so much too you know i could just describe both of those reviews in graphic detail I can't really do that first. And I've gotten good reviews, obviously. Right. Well, I mean, not right. obviously. I shouldn't say, like, obviously. But, <laughs> obviously. like, I mean, <laughs> I have no, over, you I'm know, sure. 13, 13 years of practice, <laughs> I've gotten a decent review on occasion. And and it's harder to, to yeah. be able to verbally spit out all the details of that one, but I can tell you for sure on the bad ones, right? We, we internalize those uh, as a, as a sure. whole, I think. It's that negativity bias that, you know, we're looking for danger and our monkey brains or whatever, like, this is this is something you need to pay attention to because it's threatening. And then you remember every word of those reviews forever. Veterinary Visionaries is a place. It is not a company. You could describe it as an ecosystem of people who care and want to help our profession thrive and flourish. We have a lot of challenges and many of those challenges we share. So the idea of Veterinary Visionaries is to approach those challenges together. To co-create solutions and to unify our industry's approach to solving shared challenges. To offer ideas and collectively solve these issues that our industry is facing. And do this uh, in a defragmented, inclusive, kind of all under the same tent uh, kind of fashion. We are so excited to announce the upcoming Veterinary Visionaries Challenge. And there will be a grand prize of $2,000. Your big idea on solving mental health issues among vet teams. The spring solving event is May 1st through 27th. Join us at veterinaryvisionaries.org. It, it happens to all of us. Um, and I think one of the biggest questions that I have when it comes to these bad reviews is, you know, we get them, we're probably inevitably going to see them if they're about us. And maybe we should, because as you say, sometimes it will be true. Sometimes reviews highlight things that we could improve on, um, or at least make us more aware of how we're talking to people. I know I've definitely learned a lot from some less than stellar reviews. Um, but there's a there there's a system probably that should be in place when a review comes in um, whereby somebody is notified of it and then someone gets the opportunity to think about it and either respond or pass it on to somebody to respond. And that's an area where I think a lot of practices don't spend much time focusing um, because I used to handle reviews for and social media for a practice I worked at as an associate. 
And I had to stop. I had to tell them that it just wasn't good for me because those reviews came in and they were either about me or they were about one of my colleagues, you know, another veterinarian. And I would immediately just get super defensive and up in arms about it. And the notifications would come in and my, you know, the vein on my head would pop out. So my question (laughs) to you is, because we all know that vein. (laughs) So I have bangs. (laughs) Um, We, we, who should be getting those notifications? And do you feel like those notifications should be allowed to sort of roll in as they happen? Or should we, whoever's getting those set aside a time to look at the reviews, even though if it means we're not responding right away? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I will preface my answer by saying there's no one right way for every practice, right? We all handle yeah. things a little bit differently. I will say in general, number one, it is imperative that you have some sort of workflow like system in place, right? And I would write that down. I would encourage everyone to do that. So uh, in general, you know, a review comes in, who responds, basically the who, what, when, where, why, and how, right? Um, I think that in general, it works best to have multiple people on the team who are able to respond and there to be some sort of like switching off, right? At my practice, what we did was you you did it for a month on, a month off, a month on, a month off, just so we didn't have to always do it, but then that's someone nice. can cover, right? If there's, if there's only one person, that's never a good idea for really anything in the hospital because you know, that's just begging for them to quit and then everything to like totally fall yeah. by the wayside. So there <laughs> should be more than one person. I think another key issue is that in many practices, it is not the practice owner who responds, but ultimately the response and how reviews come in and are, are gained anyway really do reflect the practice's success in many ways and in potential problems. And the practice owner needs to know, right? So there also should be like a triage situation, right? At what point do these get escalated to higher ups, especially if you have someone not in management handling the reviews? Now, um, so I would say number one, have this workflow, whatever it is, address the who, what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, As far as the who, I think there should be at least a couple of people that have the ability to respond and receive the notifications. I do think it's best to try to respond to all reviews within at least a week. But if it's a bad review, I can understand why a lot of people want to see that and respond promptly, right? We get the notifications all the time. We got a five-star review and we're like, "Eh, great moving on. And you get that one star and you're like, oh my God, drop everything. Right. And yeah. you just immediately <laughs> want to exactly respond. Right. And that's not good for either case. It's not good for the, the negative ones or the positive ones. So in general, I would say if it's not a, they have threatened something terrible, it can wait. Right. At minimum, I would never respond to a review that's not like threatening violence uh, I would not respond for 24 hours. You need a cooling period. And and same thing for me. You, you know, we're we're all naturally defensive. And, you know, you get this review and you immediately, I'm that like cat meme that's on the k- keyboard, you know, I'm like, <laughs> you know that. Um, yeah, <laughs> furiously <laughs> typing in righteous yeah, indignation. Yeah. Exactly, that one. And I, I still do that when I respond 24 hours later, but it's a little <laughs> tempered. But, and then I don't post that one. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's a you draft need, for you, Yeah, right. You need a cooling down <laughs> period 
for sure. You need 24 hours to make the other person to cool down. You need 24 hours to be able to make sure that you have all the information. Because if you're the owner or the the person in charge of responding to reviews and you get this at home, right, you don't, first of all, need to be doing work stuff at home. Second of all, you may not know that that client came back in and had another you know, interaction with a team member or their credit card was declined or the dog did something else happen to the dog after you last saw it. You you don't have all the details and you can't know that until you talk to everyone else on the team if you need to, like if that's what the situation calls for. Um, I also don't want to respond and give these people the satisfaction of, you know, knowing that they have my attention at 1030 at night when you know, these might not be a good client anymore. Maybe it's a miscommunication or misinformation. Good clients can leave bad reviews, but we don't need to be giving these people that power. So 24 hour minimum, I, I would not respond. I also think you should never respond to a review about yourself. I think there's, it's yeah. just impossible Hallelujah. to do. Yeah. I think it's just not, and I, I've, I've done the same. I've said, okay, somebody else has to deal with this because... You know, I won't have anything nice to say. And I think it's fair for all of us to give each other that grace and understanding. So if at all possible, have somebody else respond if it's specifically about you. I think that's just better objectivity in general. So um, I think I've answered your question in like a very, very long answer. But No, that was great. Yeah, that was it was it. That was really great advice because um, I didn't do any of those things when I was handling the reviews. <laughs> you know, I was, it was 1030 at night and I was like, you know, furiously typing in righteous indignation. And then usually, you know, I didn't type, actually post those responses. Yeah, I would also I'd lie in bed, you know, thinking right. with the speech <laughs> right. bubble above my head, thinking the responses. You just, not you just can't. Well, and if no. you just think about like, hey, I can't because I can't look at this and I can't talk to the receptionist or I can't talk to the technician that was involved. I can't worry about it until tomorrow. You got to move on. Um, I know it's easier said than done for sure, but I would encourage you to yeah. try. That's really good advice for social media in general, isn't it? Like, oh, 100%. stop. Pause a beat, maybe a day, <laughs> and then think about how you really want to respond, at, you know, right. if at all. Uh, yeah. Um, so great advice on those bad reviews. And I, you know, because that's good advice for social media in general and probably could defuse a lot of the problems that we have with people screaming at each other in the comments section and saying inappropriate things, um, that segues us into the next situation that I wanted to talk to you about, which is... The people who have had their perception of social media really colored almost completely now by the ability of people to leave bad reviews, especially the people that like haven't even come there or, you know, bad comments on social media posts, you know, keyboard warriors and such, um, either having to do directly with their business or something else that they care about. And now they just don't want anything to do with social media. Uh, I've seen a lot of that attitude. So I was wondering what you thought could be done to try to mend that relationship um, so that social media wouldn't be such a pain point. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that it's, it's completely warranted if you feel that way. Um, I, I myself have gone through those periods, right? You, you kind yeah. of have a love hate relationship, but I think it's important. Again, I'll, I'll use the kind of buzzword of workflow here, but I think it's important for you to set up workflows 
to deal with some of the issues that we see on social media. And when I say issues, I mean responding to reviews, having to generate content, having to moderate comments or notifications. There should be a workflow in place for you to deal with that in a healthy manner. And I'll say the other kind of key point I want to make is that social media, obviously online reviews, there's this negative connotation, right? But if you actually look at the numbers, the bad reviews are are a very small proportion. Even on Yelp, 90, I think it's 92% now of reviews are actually four and five stars. So it's not all bad, but we spend so much time and energy worrying about these bad reviews, but we spend no time and energy trying to earn good reviews or reward the people who are commenting on our behalf. Again, we see those comments from Mrs. So-and-so that's like, oh, Dr. Berlin was amazing today. And we're like, okay, great, move on. And you don't respond to them. So she's not going to be do that again, probably, right? She's not going to continue to go to bat for you if we don't engage these people. So I think keeping that focus in mind is, is really important to give equal time and energy, life force to the good people online (laughs) as you do to the bad people. Now, I also think there's a ton of, of, uh, again, workflow things that you could put in place in your practice. I'm only going to look at the business pages on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9am and I'm giving myself 15 minutes and I'm moving on. And, and that's it, right? Or whatever it is that works for your practice. Again, I would love to give you workflows, but it's so different at every practice. I will tell you for my practice, uh, we have more than one person that is responsible. We have one person who it's, it's her job every day to check the inbox. That's all she, that's her only job. She, uh, in terms of not her only job at the clinic, but her only job for Facebook, (laughs) she needs to, yeah, she needs to check the inbox and make sure nobody sent a message. Right. So she does Mm -hmm. that a few times throughout the day. It's someone else's job to come up with the content. That's usually me and the other, one of the other uh, veterinarians who's the happens to be a practice owner. It's everyone's job to see a review that comes in into, and we have funneled it into our Slack channel. If it's, if it's there, we did that for a couple of reasons. We wanted everyone to have visibility to reviews mm-hmm. because a lot of practices, the buck stops at the management level. It's the practice owner or the practice manager that get the reviews and deal with them, which, you know, sucks, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. It could, right? But yeah, they yeah. also don't do anything with the good reviews. So yeah. they're not sharing those with the whole team. So it's important that everyone has visibility because we might, so-and-so might be able to say, oh, well, they called in and I forgot to document this. So they're right. They did have this problem, right? Or, yeah. you know, oh, CG did great today. And everybody needs to, to give her some support on that, right? So we need to, to balance the good and the bad. Now that works at this practice I am at now. That would have never worked at the practice I was at before. So that's why I say it's, it's important to think about the workflow. But I think it's very important to, again, develop that workflow share the burden whenever you can, and not do this all the time. Don't constantly look at your phone for the business stuff. Don't constantly agonize over it. You got to bucket that into time and that's all you can do. Again, advice 
I did not take myself. And I would like to say it's because I didn't know I shouldn't have been looking at the business pages all the time, but I did. I just couldn't help myself. So I, I really like a couple of things you said there, one of which was, um, you know, that you, someone who creates the content is not necessarily the one who's also responsible for responding all the comments and responding to all the reviews and, and making sure the messages are being checked, because that is a huge job. It can actually be super consuming to do all of that stuff if you don't have a dedicated social media manager at your clinic, which most people are not going to have. But creating that content um, you know, I think that seems like a really great place to leverage some of your team because even if the practice owner and the manager hate social media, there's going to be someone on the team who loves social media and is really passionate about putting stuff out that reflects what we do every day. And we just have to find that person. So I love that idea of sharing, sort of sharing that burden and also tapping the people who really do want to do this and not forcing the people who don't want to, to think of stuff to post on Facebook. A hundred percent. There should never be like a blanket. Okay. The the youngest veterinarian or the youngest technician should be in charge. That's, I see that weekly. (laughs) I'm like, okay, first question, does that person want to do it? If the answer is no, then your presence is going to suck, right? It's not going to be good. So like that's uh, anytime we have a consulting clinic client, that's like one of the first questions who's doing it. Okay, great. Do they, do they like it? And let me talk to them <laughs> to find yeah. out because without that interest and that um, engagement, it's number one, not as efficient. Number two, not as authentic. And number three, not going to work well <laughs> in the long run. Yeah, totally. This is a profession that's so full of stories and beautiful little moments all day. And finding somebody who can share those moments and those stories with the people who really do love you. There's so many clients that love us and want to see those stories and finding somebody who can convey that to them and keep us in their mind just seems like a really valuable thing. So there's got to be somebody. So it's worth asking. Um, But there was something else you said that I was that I really liked, which was you said we don't pay enough attention to those clients that do really love us and leave those good reviews. But if we do pay attention to them and we reward them for doing those things, they'll keep going to bat for us online and not online, but especially online. And man, is that important and powerful. Yeah, I think it's, you know, something that we overlook as a, as a profession. Uh, and it's, it's easy to do. And I do this full time, right? I look at pages every day and it's so easy. I mean, I'll admit the first scan is, okay, any, any fires that have to be put out. No. Okay, great. Like, then we move on to like, let's make sure we thanked Mrs. So-and-so for her five-star review, you know? (laughs) Um, But I I think that's important to do and to make a priority. It may Mm -hmm. not be your top priority, but it has to be a priority because otherwise we're not uh, encouraging further participation. We're not, we're basically rewarding the jerks. And Yeah, we're gonna, that's going to backfire. So there's some really cool tools, even Facebook has put out now you can actually turn on your top fans badges. It's a a separate site. And yeah, you know, and you can, uh, you'll see who are your the top people every month that consistently like comment and share your content. Those people you need to be like, 
thank you. <laughs> Can yeah. I offer you? Like, just send them a note. Like, it doesn't have to be anything big, but send an email yeah. and be acknowledge, acknowledge them for continuing to do that. Um, same thing on reviews. I mean, I could go on about that forever, so I'll, I'll stop, but I think it's important to do. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I love that idea of just sending them a note or like a message, just being like, Hey, we love what you're, you know, thank you for your support. And a thank you note definitely goes a long way. It's lost art. Okay. So we've talked a lot about bad reviews. We talked about rewarding good ones and trying to change that relationship with social media. So to wrap up, I'd like to ask you, What's one actionable step that a practice who's kind of stuck in the, we don't know what to do with social media, I don't understand what TikTok is, I don't really want to do this, and I hate bad reviews. What's one step that those practices can take tomorrow to try to change that relationship and make social media a little bit more of a friend? Yeah, that's a great question. My one step would be to make a list of your top 25 clients. And you may start by pulling a report on your your PIMS or whatever, but it's usually not the top twenty five clients are not often always correlated with the top twenty five revenue. <laughs> so yeah. I, you might be able to make it on your own, but if you have to pull the report to, as a starting spot, that's fine. But ask your team, right? Don't just don't just one person do it. Ask who are the twenty five best clients that we have, the clients that come in, uh, treat their animals really well follow our recommendations, don't give us any trouble, are nice to the staff. Who are those 25 people? Because those are the people you want more of, right? And yeah, for sure. email them and say, hey, I have two questions. Number one, do you follow us on social media or online review platforms and link them all up? Number two, which one is your favorite? I'll add in a third question. What kind of content would you like to see from us? Because that's the content that you need to spend time on. And f- we've found that sending that questionnaire, we send that survey actually a, a couple times a year. <laughs> but when we do that, that, number one, it gets them to, fo- they're like, oh, I had no idea you're on Instagram. Or I had no idea you're on Nextdoor. I should totally leave you a review. So it usually gives us a little bump in traffic and reviews, which is nice, from good people. Number mm-hmm. two, those are the, if, they don't, if they're not on TikTok, I'm not going to worry about spending my time on TikTok right? I'm not saying that that's right for every practice. There are some practices that totally should be on TikTok. There are others that should ditch Facebook. There are others that have no business doing anything on Instagram. There's others that need all three. So again, it completely depends. But if your top clients aren't asking for content that you enjoy making and that resonates with them, you're wasting your time anyway. You're creating content and spending time and energy about on platforms that they're not on. So I think it's important to find out where they're at, where they want to interact with you and what they want to see. And that is a three question email that could go out tomorrow. That's amazing advice. Thank you. Thank you, Caitlin. That that was great. Um, And I feel like that's so doable. And asking people for their opinion is something that we are all probably not as aware of doing. So Rather than trying to reinvent the wheel every time, we can ask for some help. Yeah. That, that's really awesome advice. Thank you so much for spending this time with chatting about the thing we all love to not love, love to hate sometimes. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a love to hate thing. But I think when you set boundaries professionally and personally, I would I would give you a personal advice of not having Facebook or Instagram be the 
main button on your home screen. You need to move it back like three screens. <laughs> Maybe put it in a folder. <laughs> in a folder. Mine's, mine are in a folder. So it's a <laughs> conscious effort. I think, you know, when we set those boundaries, and again, I've said it like a thousand times, it's, it's different for every person. It's different for every practice, but set those boundaries, set those workflows, and it can be a much healthier relationship. So thank you to you and Franklin for letting me preach on that soapbox. <laughs> yes. I, I hope that Anybody who's listening remembers while Franklin is snoring on this podcast that there was a dog on my lap and it wasn't a creaky door, or like an alien, anything like that. So <laughs> thank you for um, for spending time with Caitlin and me today. And uh, Caitlin, where can everybody find you? you? You are also a podcast host, which we haven't talked about. So would you just give us um, a couple places to find you if they want to hear more from you? Absolutely. Thank you. My website is www.thesocialdvm.com. I'm on social media on many of the platforms at The Social DVM. And you can hear me and Dr. Stacey Santee on our podcast called I Vet So Hard. So we're going to have to have you come on well, to trade I would love that. appearances. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. So everybody go check that out. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Central Line. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Central Line, the AHA podcast. If you love what you hear, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. For more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine, we invite you to visit aha.org. That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.